I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Chief around here, yeah, you see me, the tribal chief. That's right. Long time, but let me go ahead and tell you. Shut your bitch ass up. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Your turn now, kid.
ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 383 of the Hoots Podcast. If you guys are enjoying your day so far, it is Joshy rocking and rolling here on a Thursday night. Um, this is going to start things right now and see everybody's rocking and rolling here on the streams. And hope you guys join your uh, Thursday evenings, October 19, 2023. Coming to you live from the um, break free room here in Chicago, Illinois, uh, episode 383 of the Hoots Podcast. We're on the road to episode 400. Don't forget, as always, when it comes to the podcast at Hoots, make sure to uh, like our video, subscribe to our channel. And if you have any questions, anything that's on your mind, the world of professional wrestling, we're open to any suggestions. And I uh, appreciate the support that you guys give this podcast each and every single week. Um, I always say, for those who watch or listen to the show for the first time, um, uh, this podcast is a great avenue for me from a mental health standpoint. And I hope this show along the way in these past seven years has been a good, positive uh, mental escape for each and every single one of you. Um, I do promise that this week's episode is going to be on a much lighter note <laughs> than last week's. Um, very rare occasions where the bull in me comes down, the anger side of me comes out, but um we don't really have that much of nonsense to really sift through this week. And with that, um, you know, I want to switch things up a little bit, give a little different vibe of the show. Um, definitely don't want to get to a stagnation point with the show. And uh, we're going to flip the script on the format this week. If you guys see in the description of the video or on the audio version of the podcast, um, we're starting off hot. <laughs> and once I'm done with this monologue, we're going to kick things off with what the hell's wrong with AEW, and, and we'll get through the rest of the stuff that we usually do, and uh, there's lots of stuff to discuss. Uh, another great week of WWE TV uh, to sit through as we run the road to Crown Jewel, and um, Impact Wrestling has a pay-per-view coming up this Saturday night at Cicero Stadium here in Chicago. I'll talk a little bit about that. And the main event this week is all in dedication to you guys. I am moving the back porch Q&A session towards the end of the show this week, giving that a shot and trying it out from just, I just wanted to do a little something different with the format this week. And I think it'd be kind of cool since we're on this road to uh, episode 400 and we're on the final stretch of the show. I want to come on here and uh, do a little something different and uh, give this a shot. And, um, you know, Dedicate this last part of the show to the people who made the show what it is. So, again, I just want to say, again, thanks from the bottom of my heart. And I do appreciate each and every single one of you. Uh, so give me one second while I refresh everything and then we'll get ready to rock it. Okay, we're back. Cool. <laughs> All right, so as I was saying, uh, we're here to rock and roll today. I got a question for each and every of you that's watching. Can somebody explain to me why does everybody always have to be first with wrestling these days? Um, this is not really necessarily a rant I want to do, but it's just an observation. Um, obviously, if you're living on the rock, Survivor Series is going to be at the Rosemont Horizon on November 25th. I've made it my... I made it known on social media that I would love to be at the show. 
I have not been to a wrestling event since uh, the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view last year where Cody Rhodes and his tour pack <laughs> was revealed to all of us. That was a crazy show. Um, but I had a feeling this Survivor Series was going to be very special. Um, just with the momentum of the company that's been going on this year and the way the different views have been going up. And in traditional sense, if you really think about it, a lot of the little tea leaves and Easter eggs you would think of what you're going to see at the following year's WrestleMania actually starts as a Survivor Series more times than you think. Uh, and I know it's usually, oh, it's Royal Rumble season. Then you'll see what's going to happen at WrestleMania. But I really think that Survivor Series this year especially is really going to give you a nice little um, entryway of where things could go and other ways to finish off this year on a high note. And obviously, anytime we have a major like pay-per-view or show here in the city, obviously I would love to be there. And obviously in my situation, I can't afford the tickets. Um, the stuff with really the on-location stuff, uh, which I don't begrudge people who partake in that. I think that's a cool thing that WWE offers to the fans where you get land, land, land yards, like those little, like, uh, credential passes with the necklace. I have one from the Hell in the Cell. It's right, it's right over there, actually. <laughs> uh, the Cody Rhodes one I have that that's pretty cool over there. But um, really, the on location stuff has really made it difficult for people to really get into tickets and stuff like that. And obviously, Ticketmaster is a a crapshoot, you know. And um, Ticketmaster. Either they boost up the prices way too high right out the gate, then they immediately sold out. Uh, today they announced that they're adding like three different th- three thousand more seats and changing up the setup for Survivor Series. And obviously, if you're living on the Rock, with you knowing everything that's going on in wrestling and the fact that Survivor Series is in Chicago, um, CM Punk is on the tip of everybody's tongue. And it's just like whether it's uh, Sean Ross Sapp or Mike Johnson or uh, the the douche canoe, the twat from San Jose, California, Seltzer, uh, they're all just so adamant that he's not going to be there. And they're like, they're really going about it in such an odd way. Like, it, it's kind of, I want to say like a dick measuring contest, but like a lot of these guys are really like staking their reputation and their like their aura about them on, oh, I'm right. See, they're not bringing them in. Oh, they're not having talks. Honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this because I agree with what JD from New York said uh, earlier today. The only five people that know what's going on with CM Punk and WWE and whether or not there is any conversations going on, it's Vince McMahon, Triple H, Nick Khan, Ari Emanuel, and CM Punk. And... I've been trying my best to keep a distance from this whole topic because I feel just with a lot of things with the CM Punk conversation, uh, it gets into a point where we all start talking in circles and we lose substance of where the original point is supposed to go. And I just think we just get into weird avenues and then it gets into a contest of, uh, it, it gets into a conversation of how you feel about punk as a human being and stuff like that. And all the drama that came in with AW um, is, 
the common sports expression is the juice worth the squeeze. And then you have conversations about uh, how will the locker room respond to CM Punk and what, what will and will not be tolerated if he went back to WWE. And then again, like, so adamant, like, they're so strong in their reporting of, like, no, CM Punk can't be at Survivor Series and making sarcastic jokes about it to the fans who are actually are excited for the idea of CM Punk uh, showing up at the Rosemont Horizon for Survivor Series. And to anybody that believes that there's not been one conversation or a just general lack of interest on the idea of CM Punk coming back to WWE, especially at this time, I think you need to be drug tested because <laughs> even for myself, like, you know, that's just money on the table. And that doesn't mean that CM Punk has to come back and be in WWE for five years or whatever the situation it would be if he were to come back. But it's just like the, like I said, just the overly snarkiness and like, I have to be right. I have to be first. See, that I told you, I told you it's not going to happen. I'm going to, I can also understand from a certain standpoint that you don't want to get people's expectations too high uh, to a certain extent when it comes to what's going to happen with CM Punk whether or not he'll be at the show or not. I, I get it. You don't want to disappoint people. But at the same time, do you have to be like a, a dick about it? <laughs> you know? And then what does, what does that say about you and your reporting if he does show up? You know what I mean? That's just not going to be a good look for you. If Oh, see, I told you CM Punk will not be at the Rosemont Horizon. And then you hear CM Punk come out at the end of the show. And then you're like, oh. Should I take your reporting seriously? You know, I I kind of say standpoint when you reach a certain cachet and you want to pump up your chest and say, like, I'm the best at this, I'm the best at And then something goes the opposite direction that you just stick your chest out and just like, oh, this is not going to happen. And then it happened. How do you respond to that? And here's the thing, man. Obviously, I'm the wrong person to discuss on this whole situation because I am biased. CM Punk outside of The Undertaker is my all-time favorite wrestler. So, of course, I would love to see CM Punk come back to WWE and at the Rosemont Horizon. And here's the thing, too. Like, there is unfinished business uh, with WWE, and I want to see that, too. And there's also another part of me which kind of is I'm kind of bummed out in a certain extent that I won't be able to attend this show because of the fact that I don't I need I'm currently trying to reload my bank account after recently getting my job back but at the same time like you know I'm (laughs) you know they don't for whatever reason no matter how many shows have come to the Allstate Arena they don't allow uh media people to do articles at wrestling events like they would for a Chicago Wolves game or uh, you guys remember the uh, the Arena Football League, the Chicago Rush, or it's not like media is not allowed at Allstate Arena, but for whatever reason, when it comes to the WWE events, you, I never see the press box use <laughs> um, 
I don't know if people have ever written articles during a WWE event. It had to be at least happened during the 90s when I was like a kid or in the 80s. But I, I just I don't get it now. Like what what harm would you have for somebody doing a article at um, the Allstate Arena? I, I just don't see what the issue with that is. But it's odd, too, because they are going to have a press scrum after the event on um, on for the Survivor Series on the 25th. And that's the thing, man. Is there a little professional like frustration for me that I, I won't get to experience this show live? Absolutely. <laughs> There's the fan in me, Joshi, that would love to be there at my favorite building. I always say that the Allstate Arena is like a second home to me. And then there's also the professional part of me, like, hey, this would be fucking cool. I'm at the Allstate Arena covering what I love. That'd be awesome, you know? <laughs> but either way, it, if, I, I guess the frustration part for me is that I would miss out on a special moment of the idea of CM Punk making his return at the Allstate Arena. I wouldn't, wouldn't be there, obviously, live because I had to cover the show. And... um it's a little crappy situation, but also, I me personally, I would love and start laughing if he did show up because there's so many of those guys that run these sites who are like, oh, it's not happening. It's not happening. Whether it happens or not, we'll see. But <laughs> it's going to be a bad look for some of these guys who are like, see, I told you it's not going to happen. Uh, you better hope that you don't hear um, – uh, the kill switch engage song or call it personality because that's just not going to be a good look for you, my friend. So yeah, we'll see what happens with CM Punk and we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, let's do this. Uh, we're going to start off this week's episode with our main event segment that we usually do, but we are changing the script this week and uh, the shooting the shit. And um, I wanted to let you guys know really quick, like this video. You're watching it live on YouTube. I see you. StreamYard lets me know who's watching on Facebook and YouTube. What? <laughs> like the video. Subscribe to the channel. And if you have any questions for me, put it in the comment section. I'll make sure to answer it towards the end of the episode this week since we're doing the uh, Q&A segment at the end. Um Subscribe to channel on the road to 1,000 subscribers. Um, so you can subscribe. It's free of charge. You can get catch up with all our previous episodes and past interviews I've done. Speaking of interviews, I'm just going to shoot my shot. I'm just throwing it out there. CM Punk, if you're watching this, Phil Brooks, if you're watching this, I highly doubt you are, but if you are, I know you're in a tough situation now because you're not fully done with your end of your AEW contract and you can't necessarily discuss contracts with other promotions because you got a non-compete thing. I respect the whole situation. As somebody like myself who's been in the wrestling media for the last 10 years, um, I know obviously situations like this come with, you know, you may be in a position where you wouldn't want to talk to somebody who's in the wrestling media because people want to have an agenda behind it. I can honestly say with 100% honesty, and everybody that watches and listens to my work would back this to uh, the nth degree and validate this. I would really think that a good conversation on Who's podcast here would be uh, 
a really good place for you to be open, transparent in how you want to be and discuss where you are with no agendas, no personal attacks or whatever. I really think a conversation between me and you about where your head's at. And I want to give you a platform to let's know where your head's at and also an opportunity, more importantly, to kind of debunk some misconceptions about you and debunk some of the common narratives that are spoke about you. Um, obviously, I get, I get it. I work for a dirt sheet, but I'm in a different lane. I don't do reports. I'm not doing backstage bullshit. I'm not, co- I'm not making up stuff. I just cover the shows and do result pieces. But if the opportunity ever came and you would like to have a good interview where you're respected and an avenue to just discuss freely whatever's on your mind, I would like to invite you here to the Hoots podcast. And I think it would be a fun conversation. And two Chicago guys are shooting this shit. And I just want to throw that out there. So, Punk, anytime you <laughs> would like to um, – if, if you were open to having a conversation about where your head's at wrestling-wise once this non-compete is over with AEW, I know there's a lot of speculation of what you're going to do next, but if you want to have that conversation with somebody who's professional and just wants to talk to the human being and not do it for per, uh, not not do it because of agenda reasons or anything like that, uh, I really think this place would be really good for you to just be yourself and just have a fun conversation and, you know, have some transparency and let everybody know what the truth is as opposed to what's being speculated and rumor and innuendo. So punk, the invitation to the Hoots podcast is yours. Uh, I would be honored, obviously to interview you. So I'm just shooting my shot out there, just throwing it out there. You guys could let Punk also know on social media that you should come on the Hoots podcast as well. <laughs> um, okay. With that being said, let's continue on here with the show. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get ready to rock and roll here with a segment that everybody loves, wants, and needs in their life. A new stellar edition of what the hell is wrong with AEW? Oh man, <laughs> it's gonna be hard to top last week's edition of what the hell's wrong with AEW because I was on I was on one last week, man. I <laughs> the rage in me came out last week, and I I had to take um I had to be um, accountable for that, and I. <laughs> I hope I didn't turn any people off by the amount of rage I had last week, but it was genuine, and I don't do things. I don't fabricate the things that come out of my mouth. So (laughs) it's what it is. But I think you guys might notice a little different vibe with this week's edition of What the Hell's Wrong with AW. So again, sit back, relax. Strap it down, as the great Hawk Harrison would say on those beautiful White Sox broadcasts. Hawk, put put some respect on Hawk Harrison's name, by the way. I keep, I keep seeing Cubs fans saying, oh, Hawk is terrible. No, you're terrible. Keep it down, okay? <laughs> All right. A brand new edition of What the Hell's Wrong with AEW starts 
in a three, a two, a one. Here we go. Your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat. I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022. We're living in my time as now. My time is right. God damn now. Man, what intensity. The quality of the product and the quality of the shows is at an all-time high right now. But I do know that it's a real war between AEW and WWE. I'm still cashing fat checks. And I am still banging the hottest bitch in this entire place. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of What the Hell's Wrong with AW. Hey, Don Callis, I, I appreciate you uh, watching our show and stealing our idea of The Last Supper since you want to air that on your Titantron screen. I'm sure I probably get the same amount of boobs in the AW setting as you, so I, I, I get it. I get it. I totally understand, my man. Um, Moby with a scar on his forehead. That guy's a channel turner. What's not a channel turner is what the hell's wrong with AW. And speaking of... What the hell's wrong with AW? You guys know that I went off on that whole nonsense with MGF and Juice Robinson last week. Um, <laughs> perfect example of not reading the room. And I've, I've seen that we're talking about in the world of professional wrestling that hasn't always been 100% morally correct. But at the same time, you just need to read the room. If you notice that there's a terrible war going on where there's kids being shown, being executed on camera, and you just want to do a roll of quarters jokes towards MGF or Cheap Heat, uh, you really are a jackass. Uh, so before we get into Dynamite this week, I want to play a clip from this week's edition of A3 Weeks with um, Eric Bischoff. Um and he had his thoughts on this situation with Juice Robinson and MGF. I love to play for you guys. And when we come back, I'll give you my thoughts on what happened on Dynamite. And we'll get into the excrement impression as well. So here's Eric Bischoff on MGF and Juice Robinson and the terrible angle that we saw last week. Hope you guys enjoy. Very few people that I have more respect for professionally as talent and MJF. I, I, I don't know him really well personally. I get to spend a little time around him on a couple occasions. And occasionally we, we, we text back and forth or DM back and forth. I think we've, as I've said before, and I'll say again because it's worth it, 
I think we're, we've just seen the tip of the talent iceberg as it relates to MJF. I think there's so much more to come, and I can't wait to see it. And I admire his intent tremendously. Tremendously admire his intent. These are unique times, and I know there's the whataboutisms that are sure to follow this this podcast. I get it, but we're on the brink of World War III. There are horrific, unbelievable images being live-streamed as we speak, things that none of us are even comfortable even saying out loud, but they're being streamed into our homes, women, elderly, children, on both sides of the equation. And it's only going to get worse. It will be worse by the time this podcast actually gets posted than it is while I'm recording it. I know I've said before, timing is everything. And yes, heat is life. But there's a time and a place and appropriateness. And the judgment, however honorable the intentions, I do believe they're honest. I don't believe this is like a cover your ass tweet from MJ. I agree. I, I absolutely believe in his heart he is as sincere as he can be. That doesn't mean that the judgment was correct and that the timing associated with it was right. I I don't know what's going on in AEW. I don't know what may be going on or not going on in TBS. All I know is professional wrestling is a form of entertainment. It's over-the-top entertainment. It sometimes makes fun of its own lack of credibility. It is not a documentary. It's not in my opinion, the format to engage in something as serious and unprecedented as we're seeing right now and to use that as the premise for professional wrestling storyline. And that's not an indictment on anything that's happened in the past. And people can take their whataboutisms and stick them straight up their ass because I don't care. They're not appropriate. I just, as much as I like and respect MJF, he's a young man who's on the verge of becoming a major star. And perhaps that's what's clouded his judgment. Or perhaps he's considered it all and said, fuck it, I don't care. I don't know. Either way, I was disappointed. And I I hope that it comes and goes without whole lot more negative uh, reaction to it. I hope that it plays out and serves MJF's intent without just getting blistered because of what's going on. I just question the judgment. And honestly, that's the biggest point I was trying to express last week. I, for one, have seen things 
angles, characters from every promotion and their mother that I'd be like, if somebody came into the room and it'd be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you watching this? Why are you watching wrestling? Do you have a problem? Uh, do you not care? Like, I don't know as a kid, I, I don't know as somebody who like romanticizes the attitude era or the ruthless aggression era could come on here with a straight face to say that I want my wrestling to be morally correct. I think anybody that does a show like this and tells you that professional wrestling in 2023 needs to be morally correct are a hypocrite because they're the same people. They're like, why isn't Raw more edgy? Why wasn't all wrestling shows TV 14? Why can't we put over how hot a, a woman is without denigrating her? Whatever the situation is. And also to his point, too, about the what about isms. As I said last week, two wrongs don't make a right. I would be a hypocrite to come on here and say everything in wrestling needs to be morally correct. You can't step over lines, yada, yada, yada. I'd be a hypocrite because I've been watching this stuff since 1998 during the most in immoral, the morally incorrect era of professional wrestling. I'd be a hypocrite by saying that. Just like each and every one of you be hypocrites because it's okay for you to acknowledge that stuff in movies or TV shows that you watch or stream, et cetera, et cetera. But when you have a situation like this that's affecting people in real time, you got to read the room, man. It, it would be like trying to make a mockery of something that was going on during 9-11 as it was happening. You can throw all your Muhammad Hassans and stereotypical wrestlers in my face, etc., etc., but it doesn't matter. Two wrongs do not make a right. And that's the point I'm trying to express, too. And the fact that they feel that they had to go to that length and that direction to add heat into a few nobody gives a shit about just tells you what he needs to know. And this also goes out to that airhead, Chris Jericho, who acts like AW does nothing wrong. Jackass, you are also at root of the problem, too. You have no self-awareness. You you too don't know how to read a, a reader room, Mr. January 6th. You <laughs> talk on both sides of your ass. I saw this comment this week and don't think that I was going to skim past it. So, obviously, last week we had to deal with the lame Tuesday night wars because everything has to be back to the 90s, right? Here's the deal. <laughs> don't at one second, say, oh, we didn't care about what was going on at NXT. And then the next second, say, oh, you guys shouldn't be celebrating victories because you had to stack the show with The Undertaker and John Cena and Cody Rose and blah, 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 blah. Yet choosing to ignore the fact that the week prior to this Tuesday Night War bullshit, NXT had more viewers than Dynamite. So Chris Jericho, you gotta let me know which one it is. Which one it is? Like you, you're talking out of both sides of your ass. 
one moment you say, I don't care what's going on with NXT, and then you're talking about, oh, your show is better, and that WWE should be celebrating a ratings victory. And then the next thing you're whining about, oh, hey, um, <laughs> oh, they only did it. They're stacking up the shows, uh, stacking shows, uh, or what's what the term you're using? Uh, cast stacking. Like, okay, dude. <laughs> so... It's the Undertaker, John Cena, um, Cody Rhodes, LA Knight, yeah, um, et cetera, et cetera. But on AEW, oh, poor little AEW, the underdog. You got Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, Edge, Christian. It, the list goes on and on. MJF, Adam Cole, et cetera, et cetera. Those guys are stars too, right? <laughs> but it's only... AEW is only the victim when WWE responds to them. They can talk all the shit on earth. Tony Khan can run his mouth like a message board twat, which he usually does every single week on social media. But when responses come back their way, oh, we people have to feel sorry for us. Chris Jericho, shut the fuck up already, please. Thank you. Let's get into this week's edition of Dynamite. Believe it or not, folks, I like this episode. Um, there wasn't too much that made me want to pull my eyes out or anything like that. But for the most part, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was good. Um, the show's in Rosenberg, Texas. I don't know where the fuck that is in Texas. <laughs> I think they're saying it's like, like a suburb of Houston, I guess. But anyways... I thought the show was decent. Uh, the, the only part of the show I really didn't care for was the um, Hikaru Shida Emi Sakura match because one, Emi Sakura lost the match to Sky Blue recently. So why is she fighting Shida for an eliminator scenario for a title shot? Like I, I just didn't care. The show kicked off last night with Jay White against Pentagon Jr. Um, Good physical match. Um, I know it's an acquired taste for people to see the New Japan style of chops exchanges or forearm exchanges where we're standing in front of each other and just doing boah, 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 <laughs> doing my Ishii impression there, you know? like chopping and, you know, just doing these long back and forth, train back and forth shots. I get it. At times, it can overstay his welcome. I would rather have those exchanges in matches if, if it's on a pay-per-view or it's a main event. But I think AEW, and I think it's also a directive of Tony Khan, since he's such a Meltzer mark, he feels the need that every match needs to have a New Japan-style element attached to it instead of building an own identity for what AEW is. And that's another thing, man. Four years in, <laughs> there's nothing on that show that I can't see from any other promotion around the world. Now, I'm in a different position because being the fact that I covered a lot of these shows and a lot of different promotions over the last 10 years, I've seen just about everything that I could see on a wrestling show. So, I'm not 100% jaded, but it takes a lot for me to be wowed by a match in 2023. And there's aspects of wrestling for myself that I enjoy that other people may not enjoy. 
I am a fan of strong style. I do like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, New Japan is my favorite promotion outside of WWE. And when it comes to the chop uh, and forum exchanges, I'm for it. But it has to be done at the right time and with the right people. And if you're doing chop and forearm exchanges that look like fucking, if they look like forearm and chop exchanges you can see on the Disney Channel, don't do them. These powder puff <laughs> girl style forearms and chops that I see in some of these matches on AEW Collision or uh, Dynamite, they will make your eye roll. <laughs> but I thought to a certain extent this one with Jay White and Pentagon Jr. was good. Even to the point where Jay's like, oh, you, you want to do this? You're wearing a little stupid vest shirt. Pentagon takes it off. They're still wailing each other with chops and stuff like that. Again, that's again, how can you, how can I stand here and how can I stand here and say that I'm an Ishii guy, but I don't want to watch chop and forum exchanges. I'll be a hypocrite, you know? So I, I like the match. Jay White won um, interference with the the Bullet Club uh, mid below mid group, uh, the Bang Bang Gang. I think that's what they're called now. Um, Jay White wins. Obviously, he'll be fighting MJF for the AW World Championship at full gear. I suppose that's going to be the main event of that show uh, at the Forum in uh, Inglewood, California. Look, MJF and uh, Jay White will have a very good match. I have no doubt about that. But does anybody honestly believe that this feud is benefiting Jay White? Is Jay White any more over with this whack edition of the Blue Club as he was before he got kicked out of New Japan? What what I don't get and what doesn't really resonate with me with this feud is the whole thing where we're in like elementary school and we're bullying people and Jay White feels the need in the or the only way he could get people to boo him is by stealing a title that he's not the champion of. This whole thing where he's holding the title hostage and playing keep away with MJF with the title doesn't make me want to have more sympathy for MJF. It makes Jay White look weak, to be honest with you, because you're already associated with three clowns, three nimrods who are mid as mid could be, and Jay White is just there. He's having good matches, cuts decent promos here and there, when the angle to elevate Jay White in another level is having him do things on his own accord. But no, we got to play keep away with the title and the, the stupid ass uh, cupboard that they bring down to the ring with him every day. Cupboard Jones as um, uh, cupboard Jones as Taz said on the show last night. Look, the issue with Jay White will never be wrestling, but the presentation of Jay White in AW is just a mystery. I'm happy for him that he's getting the opportunity to main event a pay-per-view with MJF. But this feud in itself is not doing anything for me. Not even for Max. Like, even for the fact that we had this mid-Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal, which was predictable as the cows come home, 
uh, Juice Robinson one to the surprise of absolutely nobody. The way the match ended sucked. And here's the thing. You could tell something's not working when you have to add more and more window dressing on top of it. So if the predetermined result that everybody knew going into that match is that Juice Robinson was going to win and MGF will get his, man, uh, get his opportunity to get revenge on Juice Robinson next week in Philadelphia for Dynamite. And you already know Juice Robinson is going to win and you're going to feel like deflated by that result. One, first off, the people that are participating in this Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal weren't worthy enough of having a a possible chance to go after a championship. So that obviously gives that away that Juice Robinson is the favorite to win this one. And (laughs) just the way that match ended, ended in a wet fart. I didn't care. There's no part of me outside of seeing NGF whoop Juice Robinson's ass for what he said the prior week on Dynamite. I'm not on my, I'm not on my edge of my seat. I'm not like, eagerly anticipating seeing MGF versus Juice Robinson, nor am I eagerly anticipating to see MGF against Jay White. And here's the thing, again, about window dressing. So you know you're going to have a flat ending with a result nobody gives two shits about. So you have MGF on commentary. You know the flat finish is coming, so we need to have a brawl on top of the stage with MGF and Jay White. Uh, Jay White gives MGF the low blow on the stage. Juice Robinson finds a way to win with more cheating and stuff like that. And it's not even the whole, oh, well, come on, Josh, he's a heel. Yeah, I get he's a heel. But rock hard. Juice Robinson sucks. The flamboyant Juice Robinson that I saw in New Japan, that was good. This edition of Juice Robinson and this Bullet Club Gold nonsense is a waste of time. So, yes, please get this MGF and Jay White feud out of the way. I hope this is a one-off because Max's title reign is starting to lose momentum. And I hate saying that, but I have to call it spade a spade. It's just not good. Like, it's just there for me. When you had to add so many bells and whistles and add lame cheap heats again to a few nobody gives two shits about, that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, from there, we had Renee Paquette's uh, interview with Adam Copeland. Um, Adam Copeland talked about, you know, his intention, obviously, to come to AEW was to finish his career with Christian Cage and, you know, they got to the point where they're talking about, you know, no matter how much success uh, him and Christian have had uh, individually or as a tag team, there seems to be this rooted jealousy within Christian because in his eyes, Edge has been handed everything and that Christian had to fight for everything. And, you know, it's no different from, you know, a league of their own or, You've seen these in movies and TV shows where best friends, one of them start being jealous of the other due to their success and what they're not getting or not getting enough validation or enough acknowledgement and stuff like that. We've all seen this before. So he's saying that, you know, I'm not going to fight Christian. Christian will have to fight not for himself when Luchasaurus and Nick Wade turn their back on him. And then Edge said that he's going to pick Christian up when that time comes. So... 
I thought it was fine. I'll see when I get to see uh, Toronto's hottest woman of all time pop up on my screen. I'm not going to complain about it. So I thought her interview was good. Not too shabby. Other things here on the show that I wanted to mention here for uh, Dynamite. Um, We had two squash matches on the show last night. Wardlow just (laughs) – He demolished his opponent. Uh, He knocked out Ryan Nemeth for the powerbomb. One (laughs) powerbomb. After the match, Tony Schiavone comes into the ring, wants to know what's going on with Wardlow. You see on his uh, wrist tape, the letters MGF is written on it. So MGF has Jay White going after him. Uh, Looks like Kenny Olivier might be added to the situation because Max is is getting very close to breaking Olivier's uh, record for longest title reign in AEW. So that's the thing. Um, you have Wardlow, Jay White, Samoa Joe, and Kenny Olivier gunning for the AEW World Championship. Uh, I don't know if that because of four way or something, but what happened to this whole t- bidding war 2024 thing, man? <laughs> this injury to Adam Cole's really messed up Max's whole, like, whole whole trajectory, uh, which really sucks. But Warlow against MGF, I have no problem with that. But this is the part of the show that's like really stick out to me of misused performers. And again, this is another AEW trope where they just can't present good big guys. Like I know Powerhouse Hobbs cut his little promo yesterday about how he was told to sit down by Chris Jericho and the Don Cal's family is still feuding with Chris Jericho. I could get two shits about that feud. Sorry, not sorry. Both Chris Jericho and Don Cal's need an extended hiatus from television. And that's just how I feel. Um, but we had Lance Archer, another one of my favorite performers. You know, Lance Archer is badass. Fun to watch in New Japan. I'll, I'll come, I'll, here he comes and beats up Baron Brown. <laughs> another New Japan guy. This demolishes him, and Lance Archer gets the victory. And, you know, him and Wardlow would have a clinic, uh, a barn burner, if you will. Two misused guys would have an absolute barn burner with them. Um, Other stuff on the show that I forgot to mention that I did like, um, uh, it was announced that Swerve Strickland's music video for his theme song, um, you know, the one where Prince Nana does the dance, you know, he does that dance and everything. But um, that music video is coming up on Friday, which is pretty cool. I, I like this song. Swerve is putting out some good TV recently. And I think he's picking up some momentum. So obviously him and Hangman Page will uh, continue their feud coming up soon. And I have no problem with that. I'm kind of curious to see how the music uh, video comes out. But, yeah, it's going to be the Big Pressure remix that's dropping on Friday. Uh, make sure to go check it out on Sports Swerve. <laughs> Believe it or not, folks, there was a Kenny Olivier match that I liked on Dynamite last night. Kenny Omega versus Kyle Fletcher. Uh, fantastic TV match. Um, I'm not... a guy that just loves counter-wrestling where you're not selling anything and you just need to go through one sequence after another. But this match between him and Fletcher was very good. Obviously, Fletcher is maximizing on his opportunities as a singles performer because Mark Davis 
can't seem to stay healthy for whatever reason. It sucks because Aussie Open is a very, very good tag team. But, um, you know, <laughs> Fletcher, you know, you got to maximize where the opportunities come in front of you. And, you know, he got up in Don Fowles' face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're really they're trying their best to make this Don Cows thing, uh, Don Cows family thing, uh, something, and it's just it's just there for me. <laughs> what happened to the United Empire? Did the United Empire die because Tony Khan needed the Don Cows family? Like, why is Will Osprey lowering himself to work with Don Cows? Is, is something that I don't understand whatsoever. But this match itself was fantastic, especially that uh, final V-trigger that uh, uh, Omega gave to Fletcher before he did the one week. Uh, uh, but all in all, very, very good match. I liked it a lot. Some very good stuff from those guys. Um, so Olivier won. And then we had... Oh, man. <laughs> this sucks because I'm a JR guy, and this is not anything directed towards him. So, JR, if you're watching or listening to this, this is not a knock towards you. But the Nick Wayne. Um, yes, the Nick Wayne sit-down interview with his mom was cringeworthy TV. I will not... I'd be remiss without mentioning that Nick Wayne's mom is very, very hot. And I make no bones about it that I do like women that are older than me. It is what it is. But she is very hot. But the acting and the dialogue in this segment was so JoJo Dutch, man. I even I don't know what they were going for there. Like <laughs> I, I get the funny aspects of Christian Cage trying to be a father figure and all that stuff, and he's doing Tremendous story. It's not a knock towards Christian Cage, but the segment in itself, I just don't care. (laughs) And and, and that's the way you wanted to address Nick Wayne's heel turn by using his mom? (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) She's great to look at, but as a TV character, no bueno. No bueno. I'm, I'm good on that. Uh, this led into a brawl with uh, Darby Allen. Sting was out there as well. I'd be remiss without mentioning this. Uh, I'd be remiss without mentioning this because this was a big part of the show as well. Last night, uh, Sting um, announces um, retirement tour. Uh, Sting will be wrapping it up and finishing his career on uh, Revolution of 2024. So that pay-per-view, regardless if it's in February or March, that'll be the final match of Sting's career. Very good promo. Obviously, Sting's had a rejuvenated career uh, in AEW. You know, he had that nasty neck injury that he uh, suffered uh, during that match with Seth Rollins. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I didn't think Sting's WWE run was as horrible as people made it out to be. Like I was there at WrestleMania 31 at Levi Stadium, the the crowd in that building loved that match, and it was a blast. Um, sorry that you got upset that your fancy booking of Sting didn't go over Triple H pissed you off so much, but I don't know. This whole stuff about Sting's run in WWE was horrible. I I don't agree with that. 
Could have been better, sure. But to say that it was the shits and it, it was just terrible, I disagree with that 100%. Uh, but, you know, Sting's had a tremendous career, man. You know, Sting was my favorite uh, WCW performer growing up as a kid. And to see the stuff he did in uh, TNA, and, you know, then he did the whole Joker Sting stuff, which was really cool. I have a Sting action figure that's in my front room right now that I keep uh, with me. Um, Sting's the man. And to see him uh, retire, seeing the stuff that he's been doing in the final stages of his career has been insane. Uh, I was there at Forbidden Door where he jumped off the stage onto the Young Bucks and El Fantasmo for that crazy uh, trios match that him, Darby, and Shingo had against the uh, Bullet Club. Uh, that that match was insane. <laughs> but Sting's had a really, really good run here in AW, And the good thing for him, man, he's getting to end his career on his terms. So that's always cool to see. But with that being said, all in all, I thought Dynamite was solid. I thought it was a decent episode. But, um, yeah, you know, when you're top few for your top title, um, it's a shoulder shrug for me. And I, I'm saying that as an MJF mark. He could be doing much better stuff than this shit, man. Beat Juice Robinson. Get the match over with Jay White, and can we get back to some serious shit? I'm done with the comedy. I'm done with the face turn. Can we get back to the real MJF, please, for the love of God? Before we wrap up this segment, I be I have to do the extra man impression. It's just a staple of the segment, and I gotta do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. <laughs> Coming to you live tomorrow night on TNT is another stellar edition of AEW Rampage. Here are your matches for the show. We had the Blackpool, Cutco Clubs, Claudio Castanoli, and Wheeler Yuta in action. From there, we have Ruby, Sco- uh, Ruby Soho taking on Sky Blue. Next, it's a triple threat match with the winner taking on Orange Cassie for the International Championship at AEW Battle of the Belts 8. It's Sean Silver taking on Kip Sabian and uh, Brother Say. Why do they call him Brother Say? It's because <laughs> I say it Cassidy. Anyways, <laughs> let's start this over again. Coming to live tomorrow night on TNT, it's another stellar edition of AEW Rampage. Here are your matches. Let's take a look at it. First, we have the Blackpool Cuckold Clubs immerse Claudio Castanoli and Wheeler useless in action. Renair, we have Ruby Soul taking on Chicago Zone Sky Blue. Renair, it's a triple threat match with the winner taking on Orange Cassie for the AW International Championship. It's John Silver, Kip Simeon, and Isaiah Cassidy. And our main event is Mexico's pound for pound crown match. It's Mystico taking on Rocky Romero. From there, we have AEW Collision on Saturday night. Don't forget, we have AEW World Tag Team Title action as Ricky Starks and Big Bill takes on the Blackpool Cuckle Clubs, Cardio Castanoli, and Wheeler Useless. Following Collision is the eighth installment of the AW Battle of the Belt series. Here are the matches on the show. From first, for the AW World Trio Championship, it's the acclaimed taking on Matt Menard, Angela Parker, and Daniel Garcia. From there, for the AW TBS Championship, it's Chris Stadler taking on Willow Nightingale. And our main event for the AW International Championship is Orange Cassidy taking on the winner of the Triple Threat Match from Rampage. This show is taking place from Memphis, Tennessee, coming up. 
this Saturday live on TNT. And don't forget Eddie Kingston against Jeff Jarrett for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Make sure you get all your information right now at AllEliteWrestling.com and get all your tickets right now at AWTIX.com. Again, that's AWTIX.com. And on that note, we pose the question each and every single week. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, you let me know. What the hell's wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Chris Jericho. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right. Now it's still an edition of What the Hell's Wrong? AW in the books. A lot more to do here on the Hoots Podcast this week. Um, man, Jeff Jarrett against Eddie Kingston on TV. <laughs> I know the show's in Memphis, but by God, that match is going to be brutal. All right. <laughs> um, let's do this. We'll take our first break here, and we come back. We'll let you guys know what happened this week in WWE right here on the Hoots Podcast. Back everybody to Who's Podcast time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Don't forget the final segment for the podcast this week will be our backports QA session. So you still got time to send in your questions for those who are watching live here on YouTube. What? Uh Twitch. What? Also here on Facebook. I appreciate the support, everybody who's uh, checking out the show tonight. You guys are awesome. Don't forget we are on the road to uh four hundred episode 400, which will be right around the beginning of February, I think. So we're on the final leg of this um, this run of the Hoots podcast. I don't know when our final episode will be, but it probably will be the week after WrestleMania is over. And um, we, we will make sure to uh, we'll make sure to do episode 400, but uh, the show is coming to an end soon. And I just want to say again, thank you all for um, rocking with us for these last seven years. And I want to make sure that this final stretch of the show is the best. And the best way you can do this is let people know about the Hoots podcast, interact with us, give us some feedback. Let us know what you guys like or dislike of the show. And I appreciate the support you've been giving us um, for the last seven years. It really meant a lot to us. So, all right, let's talk about what happened this week in WWE. Lots and lots to go over. We had to return of the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns on SmackDown. We're on the road to Crown Jewel, so obviously you know Roman Reigns is going to come back. If the Caesar premiere 
of Raw and SmackDown this week on Fox and USA Network. And just a really, really strong week in television. And not only business-wise, but the product on TV for WWE right now is really, really hot. It really is. I mean, you can be the biggest WWE hater in the world, but you even you got to admit that they're pumping out good shows recently. They just are. <laughs> and I, um, I really enjoy... I really enjoy where things are going. I really do. I like the flows of the shows have been better. Uh, the intensity in the matches are getting better. The 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 depths and layers of the uh, storylines I feel are gaining momentum. You can give that credit to Triple H you want, but I give a lot of credit to the performers that are going out and busting their ass each every single weekend. It's showing, man, there's a lot of people on that roster right now that are stepping up. And, you know, I know John Cena's still there for now until this writer strike stops. But there's a lot of definite, a lot of different angles to, like, sink your teeth into right now. I don't know if you're sinking your teeth in like a vampire. But you get you get my point. <laughs> there's stuff that you can enjoy. You can see where days are going. Maybe you want a fancy book where angles going. I don't know, but for me, I think that uh, for the most part, um, you have stuff you could watch. Just not as much stuff that like, oh man, I can watch the next day on the DVR. I can do this. I can do that without. Uh, like, you have good things to seek your teeth into. So, with that being said, um, I just want to say again, thanks for supporting everybody. Um, <laughs> Dio, uh, thank you for uh, chiming in here. I thought you meant TNA. <laughs> why, why, why are you starting the TNA chat in here? I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> AEW, <laughs> you mean TNA 2.0? <laughs> oh man! All right. So we had the Trial Chief come out and confront John Cena. I really been trying to change my cover style uh, when I do the transcripts and really challenging myself to do the dialogues live and typing out the full promos. And that's been a fun challenge for me because I'm even noticing stuff from a storyline standpoint that would go completely over my head if I was surmising what was happening on the shows with the angles. But at the same time, like, you got (laughs) – you got some definite stuff that's being said here. You know, Roman's coming out. He wants John Cena to acknowledge him. He points out the fact that he's only there because Roman was not, uh, taking his vacation, uh, takes issue with John Cena calling himself the greatest of all time. Uh, John Cena tells Roman that, you know, he's not out here to, uh, <laughs> I love you too, Theo. <laughs> um, you know, Jossie is not there to uh, confront um, Roman for the title because he hasn't earned the right to challenge him. So I, I thought that was cool. And, you know, again, the spotlight to LA Knight, it's more obvious now that um, John Cena will fight LA Not my bad. Roman Reigns will fight LA Knight at Crown Jewel. You know, it's a one-off. I don't think that LA Knight 
will lose any momentum by losing a match with Roman Reigns. The fact that he's interacting with him, given the fact this time last year he was just coming out of that Max Dupree character. So here we are a year later, and now he's uh, having a chance to fight Roman Reigns on a, uh, on a premium live event outside of the U.S. That's a big deal for a guy like L.A. Knight. Now, I know L.A. Knight's <laughs> the ultimate king of having chits on his shoulders and not uh, – trusting anything and doubting everything that's going his way. But, um, you know, this is a time for him to take solace. Like, you know, him fighting Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel and losing doesn't stunt his momentum. If anything, it gives him more stock and, you know, reasons to, you know, continue what he's building on. And with LA Knight and uh, Roman Reigns, L.A. Knight will be in a better position going into this match than he would if he wasn't interacting with Roman Reigns. And I know a lot of people want L.A. Knight to win the Royal Rumble and stuff like that. I don't know. Even for me, I don't believe L.A. Knight needs to be in a world title match at WrestleMania. If that makes me an L.A. Knight hater, it is what it is. I'm a fan of the guy. I am. But I don't think it's either, oh, you know, LA Knight needs to be in a world title match. LA Knight needs to win the Royal Rumble or else. I I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I don't see world champion right now with LA Knight. I need to see more. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, so having Roman on the show again was really cool. Love the entrance, man. Just the vibe, the song, and everything. Throwing up the ones. You got Heyman, just giddy, man. You know, <laughs> I was more giddy, like Paul Heyman or me when I was first going out with my ex, Carla, uh, when we were at Chopin. Man, I was, I was on Clown 9 with that chick. <laughs> but here we are. Um, oh, God, shit. 15 years later. That's <laughs> crazy how. Time goes by. That relationship with Carla, my uh, first and last ex, was 15 years ago. Mamma mia. Anyways, uh, as I was saying here, um, Roman Reigns and Ellen Knight uh, for um, Crown Jewel definitely looks more sad. So after the fact that Roman speared Ellen Knight after his match with Sol Sokoa on SmackDown. So a lot of things going on with the bloodline, you know? Roman's back. He has LA Knight to deal with. He has a John Cena problem. Earlier in the show, he had a stare down with Cody Rhodes after Cody and Jay retained their titles against Austin Theory and Grace Wallet. Very decent tag team match. I wouldn't say this was a great match or anything like that, but as far as a TV match, uh, I'm telling you, man, Austin Theory and Grace Waller are a very good tag team. Also, you should check out the stuff they did on the bump this week with uh, Megan Morant and... Um, Matt Camp and I think Adam Pierce was the guest this week. Uh, those two were hilarious on that show. <laughs> he, oh man! Sometimes I think that I have no chill with the stuff that I say on the show. Sometimes, but um, Grayson Waller, <laughs> he gives he gives two he gives no fucks. He he said he called Taylor Swift a six, a six. <laughs> oh man. That that stuff popped me big time. Anyways, uh, so 
yeah, the Roman and Cody stare off was really cool. Like you feel the intensity, you see the looks on everybody's face. You see Paul Heyman in the background, like this is Roman Reigns show. You don't belong here. Hey, man, I wouldn't rush and say, oh, Roman's going to fight The Rock at WrestleMania. I don't think that's set in stone yet. So Cody may get his chance to finish his story, but it, it, it just has a different vibe when Roman Reigns there. Not only John Cena, not only Cody Rhodes, not even Ellen Knight. He has to deal with his airhead cousin, Jimmy Uso. <laughs> He's drinking his water. He's acting a fool. He has no sense. <laughs> um, I mean, he did get the job done for the bloodline on Monday. We'll get that in a couple minutes. But, you know, had to deal with an airhead cousin. We all have airhead cousins. I have an airhead cousin. It is what it is. We all deal with it, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, everything just gets elevated when Roman Reigns is on the show. So I thought that was cool. There were other stuff on SmackDown that happened this week. Uh, pretty deadly return. They had a pretty decent match with um, the Brawling Brutes. Bobby Lash will be taking on Carlito tomorrow night on SmackDown, if that interests anybody. Also, don't forget, um, if you guys didn't hear, Logan Paul uh, was um, – he had this – I didn't even watch the fight, but a lot of people said that his boxing match with Dylan Dennis was uh, JoJo Dutch, to say the least. Uh, Logan Paul, after the match, decided to challenge Rey Mysterio for his United States Championship. Um, Logan Paul will be on SmackDown tomorrow night. Uh, Logan and Rey for Crown Jewel, no problem. And if anything, Logan Paul should win that match and become a United States Champion. This goes back to what I was saying earlier with LA Knight. LA Knight would get more out of beating Logan Paul at WrestleMania than he would having a world title match at uh, WrestleMania. That's just my opinion. I don't believe LA Knight needs to win the Royal Rumble in order to have a, uh, a good spot at WrestleMania. You can have LA Knight become the United States champion and beat Logan Paul at WrestleMania. I tell you right now, even here on October 19th, that that will be a big moment for LA Knight. Trust me on it. Just trust me on that. Um, LA Knight against Rey Mysterio. I'm here for it all day. I really am. Uh, Triple H was on the show this past Friday night, and he had an announcement. He gave shout-out to Adam Pearce for the job he's been doing as a WWE official holding the helm on TV for Raw and SmackDown. He got promoted as the general manager of Monday Night Raw. Then from there, he introduces – no. He got interrupted by Dominic Mysterio. Man, Dom just loves the attention. He's on Raw and SmackDown and NXT. <laughs> Dom comes up. Everything's about the Judgment Day. Judgment Day runs WWE. I'm wearing purple tonight to give shout-out to the Judgment Day. I hope you guys noticed that. If you guys are watching the video version, I'm wearing purple tonight uh, to give a shout-out to the Judgment Day. Uh, but Dominic came out. Getting booed out of the building. I love the line. <laughs> Triple H is hilarious, man. He's like, man. <laughs> I always thought they pumped in the noise here. <laughs> Pump in booze my ass. That's real heat, ladies and gentlemen. You can choose to believe it or not. You know, I know that we live in a 
confirmation bias era in professional wrestling. I get it. But um, you got to give credit where credit's due. That kid is killing it right now. And <laughs> that, that life of Triple H just popped me, man. But uh, from there, we had um, other stuff on the show. Uh, he announced that Nick Aldis will be the uh, general manager for SmackDown going forward, uh, which I thought was really cool. I'm a fan of Nick. I've had a chance to interview Nick Aldis before. Very cool guy. Got to cover his work in the NWA. Very, very good stuff. Um, Nick is very good at his job, and I think Nick is going to kill it in WWE. I really do. Whether he's going to be a performer in the ring or not, I really like this direction for Nick because people don't know who he is. So to have the opportunity where, you know, maybe uh, Michael Cole interviews Nick Aldis, let people know who he is, what he stands for, what he can bring to the table, Nick can handle his own accord. He can talk with the best of them. He dresses the part. Hell, every time I see Nick Aldis on my TV screen, I want to get. I want to start wearing suits. You know, <laughs> I'm in the middle of this workout project that I've been going at it for the last four or five months, and um, who knows? Maybe I could get to that point too, like a Nick Aldis. But we'll see. <laughs> but. Um, Nick, I really, I really like the direction for him right now to be a general manager. You know, gives him a big role on the show. People get to know who he is and what he stands for. And if the opportunity presents itself where he could get physical in the ring and he could have a match, you have more investment now into his character than if you came in and have him, you know, do vignettes or, you know, just came up been a random guy on the roster. So I I really do hope this run works out for Nick because I think he deserves it. This is his really big opportunity, and I think he's going to kill it. So shout out to you, Nick, all this. Um, other stuff on the show, I mentioned the main event was Solo and LA Knight. Um, I mentioned the tag match as well. That, that stare down with Cody and Roman was fantastic. Uh, other stuff announced for uh, SmackDown tomorrow. We have, uh, I mentioned Bobby Lashley against Carlito. Uh, Charlotte Flair will be taking on EO Sky for the uh, SmackDown, not, not the SmackDown, the WWE Women's Championship. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, that should be a good match. Charlotte got introduced to Jay Cargill. Man, <laughs> Jay Cargill, all of this. This is Jay Cargill, Waterfall. Like, she is fantastic, man. <laughs> that woman is freaking hot. But Jay Cargill was on the show. She got introduced to uh, Charlotte Flair. You know, Charlotte had her line. Like, no, Jay was like, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. And then Charlotte's like, oh, it will be. So you got your T's there. Jay was on Raw. Jay closes out NXT uh, uh, this past Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> she's gonna be a baller, man. She's gonna she's gonna make a lot of money, and she's gonna be a big name in WWE for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Raw. Uh, oh, I also forgot to mention Santos Escobar will be taking on Montez Ford tomorrow. I think that's going to be a good match for anybody that wants to check out that match. I think this will be good. Uh, so with that being said, let's continue on here with the show. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw this past Monday night from Oklahoma City. 
Um, the show did not have Michael Cole, which I was bummed out because I felt like him and Wade have been fantastic on these shows recently as a te- uh, as a commentary team. Honestly, they did a lot of good work on SmackDown, but especially on Raw, man, like Cole and Wade have really helped Raw gain momentum and you know have it be a good show and. Um, I wouldn't say Kevin Patrick did a bad job or anything, but uh, you can tell the difference when Michael Cole is not there. So uh, it's unfortunate that he wasn't there, but I'm happy, you know, Cole got to handle his personal business. But the show went without a hitch. Now, was it the greatest episode when it comes to commentary? Absolutely not. But uh, I thought they made the best out of it. And this crowd in Oklahoma City wasn't that much to write home about either, if we're being honest here. But um, there was a lot of good stuff on this episode, man. <laughs> uh, I could come in here and it's a broken record, and I was probably the first one here to start noticing the more positive trends that are going on with Raw recently more than other people. But um, they've been pumping out good shows, man. <laughs> they really are. Uh, you start off the season here with Sami Zayn. You know, he's reacting to the fact that Kevin Owens got traded to SmackDown as part of the Jay Uso trade. Sami talks about the fact and acknowledges the fact that he has mixed emotions about it. That's any tension between him and Jay. Do we get a feud with Sami Uso? <laughs> Do we have a feud with Sami Zayn and Jay Uso? Where does that go? You know, where's Sami Zayn's head at? You know, is he going to. Turn heel. You got Jay Uso. You got Judgment Day. Uh, everything's about them. They're so fixated on dominating everything in WWE. They have their own internal traffic because Priest is more fixated on cashing his briefcase than handling Judgment Day business. So, how does that affect their future plans? That this is a lot of running storylines that you just don't know where things are going to go. We had a couple really hard-hitting matches on this show this past Monday with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura against Ricochet, that Falls Count Anywhere match. A lot of fun. You know, you have the funding line with Ricochet, and they're fighting in the grill position. And um, Ricochet is like to uh, Shane Helm, season producer now. It's like, stand back, Hurricane. There's a Ricochet coming through. I thought that line was funny. <laughs> and then how about this? They're fought, they're fighting right in front of the stage, right? And you see these big-ass LED Titantrons that WWE got these days, right? Ricochet does a Tiger Wall flip kick off this off that Titantron screen. That guy's insane, man. <laughs> Not only that, he goes up. They're fighting in the crowd after the commercial break, right? He, this dude climbs up to the top of the banister and does a Freaking shooting star press off the banister. We had a GTS. I'm sure that uh, that was the coincidence, right? Uh, we had, you know, Shinsuke win the match with the uh, Kinshasa on the floor. Fantastic match with him and Ricochet. Then we had Gunther. Gunther uh, defeat Bronson Reed for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh Gunther retains very, very good in physical match. I was happy for Bronson Reed. This wasn't like a skippable match. Obviously, people weren't expecting Gunther to lose this match, but uh, the match itself with Gunther and Bronson was fantastic, man. Those big E specials, those big meaty men bumping meat, slapping meat, whatever you want to call it, 
Those matches are just fun, man. <laughs> they really are. Speaking of fun matches, I thought uh, Johnny Gargano and Luke Kaiser. I thought that match was pretty decent on Monday. And then, um, you know, Kaiser got a win. They're, I know a lot of people feel like Johnny Gargano can't ever lose a match on TV or his or he's buried or his career is going nowhere. I, I, I get that running narrative because Johnny Gargano never lost a match at NXT, which is a bunch of bullshit <laughs> if you actually follow a lot of the storylines and stuff. But um, you're slowly intertwining DIY back on the show. And if you want people to care about Imperium and having them have a view with DIY, you need to have the other guys get a victory. If you're just going to have Kaiser and Vinci just be presented as stooges and guys that nobody gives a shit about, why have them on the TV? It's alongside with Gunther. So I get it. A lot of you feel like uh, a lot of you feel like Johnny Gargano can't ever lose a match or he's buried or whatever. I just don't agree with that. I don't. <laughs> I don't agree with that at all. So, you know, after the match, Gunther is telling Kaiser, you know, congratulations. He starts yelling at Vinci. Vinci's like, why are you yelling at me? I, I helped uh, Kaiser win the match. What's your deal? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, Gunther is like, I want, um, I want uh, Johnny Gargano stretchered out of the building next week. So next week will be Johnny against Gina Von Vinci on Raw. That's going to be a good match. And uh, Gunther says it's Kaiser's responsibility to make sure that uh, Johnny Gargano uh, gets stretched out of the building. So we'll probably have the return to Tommaso Ciampa, and that's going to be uh, – we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, from there, uh, on, the, on Raw, let's talk about this. Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. This was outside of Roman Reigns and what he did on SmackDown. This was my favorite part of the show. Hence why it's the thumbnail of this week's episode. Um, real, real genuine promo segments and hard-hitting promo segments like this. Is the stuff that I love. It's the stuff that I love typing out when I transcribe matches or transcribe promos. The Seth Rollins Drew McIntyre segment was fucking awesome, man. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. We've been talking about it and hitting about it over the fact that Drew McIntyre more or sooner or later is going to be turning heel soon. And him losing to Seth Rollins and Crown Jewel could probably be that final stretch. Excuse me, probably be the final straw for him. It's like, okay, enough's enough. And he he has to turn, right? And he keeps expressing over the fact that he hasn't recovered since losing to the bloodline. And Seth's like, all right, man, enough already with it. You're making excuses and blah, blah, blah. And Drew's saying that he stepped up during the pandemic, which is also true. Just that segment in general, I thought it was fantastic. You know, Drew selling stuff. You like at the Crown Jewel, you need to think hard, long and hard to see how you're going to reinvent your character for the fifty third time. 
I thought that was a good line. The Seth and Drew McIntyre segment, that's stuff that you want to see on a pro wrestling show, whether it's WWE, AEW, Impact, whatever. That's how you have a good story for a world title match. Not this nonsense with MGF and Jay White. Oh, we're going to play keep away like we're eight-year-old boys. Stupid. This this feud with Seth Rollins and McIntyre, even if it's a one-off, I'm here for it because it's going to be some good, good shit. Uh, speaking of not good, it uh, looks like the Saints are getting their ass kicked. <laughs> Man. You know, um, <laughs> Saints are getting their ass kicked. It's 24-9 to Jaguars. So, hey, TK, man, you can smile up, man. It's all good. Your team's playing well. You have that going for you. Jags are 4-2. It's week seven. They can get their big victory. You know, Jags have had a crazy road schedule. They've had two straight games in London, and here they are in New Orleans. So, um, Jaguars are a good team, man. Uh, you got to give them the respects. 24-9 to right now in the third quarter. Uh, let's see. What else I forgot to mention here for Raw? Uh, next week on the show, um, it said that um, Logan Paul will be on the show as well. Becky Lynch will be defending her NXT title against Indy Hartwell. Becky had a uh, face-to-face confrontation with Jay Cargill. Becky told Jay to, uh, quote-unquote, get in line to go after Becky Lynch and her title. Obviously, that did not sit well with Jay Cargill, and I think that's going to bite Becky in the ass sooner or later. So um, I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the main event of the show was Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso against the Judgment Day for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. From there, we had a fantastic match. Cody and Jay were clicking on all cylinders. I'm a big fan of Damian Priest. I've said that before a a gazillion times. I'm a fan of Damian Priest. The Judge Day are a lot of fun to cover, and I, I enjoy their work a lot. They do a lot of good stuff. And when you see the Judgment Day and the chemistry they have, obviously, with Jay Uso and Cody, they had a good match. It was a very, very good main event. And in that no-good SOB, Jimmy Uso comes out to the apron. You know, all hell's breaking loose. Cody gets razor edge through the, uh, the announce table. We have all... All chaos going on at ringside because uh, Dominic has to interfere in every match that's on God's green earth. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Sami Zayn's out there. People are being thrown around the ringside area. Jimmy, uh, my bad, Jay Uso dishes out two spears. He turns into Roman Reigns, suddenly during the match. And then that no good airhead brother of his, his twin brother. <laughs> Costs him another championship. That's right. Jimmy Uso costs Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso the undisputed tag team titles. I don't think that's going to sit well with Cody and Jay. I think we're in a collision course between Cody and Jay against both the bloodline, like Jimmy and Solo at Crown Jewel, and I'm here for it. I think both of those guys are going to be on SmackDown tomorrow, and you're not going to blame them for it either. So, um, yeah, Jimmy has a receipt coming his way via Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso, and that's going to be pretty good. With that being said, all in all, Raw was 
a lot of fun. A really fun show from top to bottom. I, I didn't think the Oklahoma crowd was that great, but it didn't affect the enjoyment for the show from my point of view. And uh, even for a show that didn't even have Michael Cole calling it, I thought it was pretty decent. So all in all, good stuff there. And then we had um, NXT. That's right, NXT uh, last Tuesday night. A lot of women's matches on the show. You know, you had Liar Valkyrie against Tegan Knox. I thought that was pretty decent. We had uh, two breakout tournament matches. Carmen Petrovich uh, defeating uh, Jada Parker. I thought that was pretty good. And then we had uh, Brinley Reese uh, taking on Ariana Grace, the daughter of Santino Morello. Um, I thought she uh, carried herself very well. That was a decent match. What else? What else am I forgetting? Um, hold on. Let me look it up here, actually, as we're talking here. NXT. Um, by the way, Carmelo Hayes, uh, Baron Corbin, and Dijak. That was a fantastic uh, triple threat match. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. And also check out the promo that Lexix King uh, cut last week. So I mentioned it live for Kiri and Tegan Knox. Uh, we had Shotzi and Kiana James. That was the other one. Shotzi got a victory over Kiana James. Um, a lot of this episode tonight was hyping up NXT Halloween Havoc, which will be a two-week special starting uh, next week. So we'll have um, night one of Halloween Havoc this Tuesday and then the following week on Halloween. So here are the matches for NXT Halloween Havoc as I do another estimate impression. Coming to live on Tuesday on the USA Network is another stellar edition of NXT Halloween Havoc. Here's your matches. First, we have the families, Tony D'Angelo and Channing Lesnar, putting their NXT tag team titles on the line against the team of Andre Chase and Duke Hudson of Chase University. From there, it's a lights out match featuring Blair Davenport and Gigi Dolan. We have the semifinals of the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. Lexus King will make his in-ring debut. From there, we have Roxanne Perez against Keanu James in a Devil's Playground match. And our main event is Becky Lynch and Lyra Valkyria for the NXT Women's Championship. Carmel Hayes won a fun barn burner of the Triple Threat match with Baron Corbin and Dijak. Carmel Hayes will be fighting Ilya Dragunov on night two of Halloween Havoc. So a lot of stuff to sit through. Uh, for this segment for um, this week in WWE, but all in all, some good stuff from top to bottom. Appreciate the support, everybody, for the show. We do appreciate it. Uh, let me take a quick swig of water really quick. Uh, yeah, I needed that. <laughs> um, as I was saying, like, a lot of stuff going on with WWE. Tickets are flying off the shelves. Uh, I think they said the ticket sites or something like that was crashing for the Royal Rumble this past week. I'm like, damn, (laughs) that's crazy. Um, So with that being said, that is what happened this week in WWE. Before we get to our main event segment, we have a couple things that we need to address here. Since I was switching up the format this week, I want to um, 
flip it up this week. So usually I would save the clown of the week and stuff like that towards the end. But we're going to end the show with the backports Q&A session. So right now, it's time for another edition of the clown of the week. Let's check this out. I'm not clown. 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 You're big. Clown. 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 One more time. I'm not clown. 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 You're big. Clown. 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 Jay Pinkett Smith was the winner of last week's uh, clown of the week, in case you guys missed it. Man, talk about airheads. My God. <laughs> man, she is wilding out there, man. I, I I feel bad for Will, man. I really do, man. She is all over the place. <laughs> um I I it's really a toss-up, man. I mean there's a lot of idiots out there in the world. Anybody could be a clown of the week. I'm I'm still open to any suggestions, by the way, for those who Wants to participate in this segment. Let's see your responses throughout the week. But um, if I think about it in the wrestling realm, um, this is the first time winner for this gentleman. And I mentioned it earlier in what the hell is wrong AEW. But um, Chris Jericho is the winner of the Clown of the Week. You can't talk out of both sides of your ass, man. I get you want to defend your company and all that stuff, Chris, but at the same time, like you need to have some self awareness for the love of God. Jeez, <laughs> I don't care what's going on in XC, and then whine over the fact that NXC is having the Undertaker and John Cena and all these. As if you guys don't have stars on the show. Oh, the poor EW are such underdogs. Um, so yeah, Chris Jericho is definitely the clown of the week. Um, let's do my football picks here, uh, for week seven, as I'm talking to you right now. Uh, I do want, I did want to mention that I did pick the Jaguars before tonight's game, so I'm not cheating here. So I, I want to be fair here. I did pick the Jaguars to beat the Saints, so uh, I can show you the proof here, so I, I'm not lying to you guys. <laughs> um, see, like, this is the screen for my confidence pool that we have here on Facebook. No, not on Facebook, on ESPN. I picked the Jaguars. It's locked. I picked them before the game started, so I don't want to hear any crap from anybody. I picked the Jaguars. I'm not cheating, damn it. And shout-out to my boy Adam Daly, uh, Normally, this week would be a hoop bowl since me and Adam used to do the show with each other, but uh, Adam is not here, and uh, the Raiders are coming to Soldier Field this Sunday to face one of the most inept franchises on God's green earth, the Chicago Bears, uh, with Jeff Jodiak and Tom Thayer on the call on ESPN 1000. WMVP, Chicago. <laughs> Uh, yes, I had the Raiders beating the Bears, so. Don't say I didn't pick the Raiders, bastard. <laughs> All right, um, let me take this off the screen, uh, screen share here. Um, okay, here's my picks for week seven. I have the Colts over the Browns. By the way, Deshaun Watson is a separate category for Clown of the Week. I also wanted to go with James Harden for the Clown of the Week, but... That'd be too easy to do as well. 
I got the Colts over the Browns. I got the Broncos beating the Packers. Believe it or not, I do have the Broncos beating the Packers. Uh, I had the Jags over the Saints, Raiders over Bears. I have Commanders over Giants. Ravens will beat the Lion. I have the Rams mollywhopping the Steelers. Um, I have the Eagles beating the Dolphins. Seahawks over Cardinals. Bucks roll over Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Uh, I have the Chiefs beating the Chargers. That's the late afternoon game on... um, on CBS, so Jim Nance and Tony Romo could beloviate about Taylor Swift and uh, Travis Kelsey for three hours. I, I, I don't get the fascination with Travis Kelsey. I don't. The most interesting Kelsey out there is Jason Kelsey's wife, uh, Kylie, and it's because she's hot. So <laughs> uh, everybody's worried about Travis. Uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I could get two shits about that relationship. Um, the other game, we have, I have the Bills mollywhopping the Patriots. Honestly, between the Bears, the Panthers, and the Patriots, it, it, it is possible that the Patriots could get the number one pick in the draft this year. They are terrible. Pat, I'm sorry, man. Mac Jones ain't it, and Bill Belichick is just as bad as Michael Jordan is as a, as a general manager. So, yeah, that's not looking good at all. Um, And I got the 49ers beating the Vikings on Monday Night Football. There's not a lot of games this week. I mean, besides tonight, there's only uh, 12 games, which kind of sucks to be honest with you. Excuse me. So, yeah, there's not a lot of games this week, which I think is unfortunate because I love my football, but... We only got this one tonight, and then there's like, I don't know, 11 on Sunday, and then we have the uh, Monday night football game. So, I don't know, man. kind of sucks. Yeah, but don't fret. The following week, there will be 16 games, which is pretty cool. Uh, take, take the good with the bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, that's my picks for week seven, and also, I'd, I'd be remiss without mentioning Impact Wrestling is having their signature event, Bound for Glory, taking place this Saturday at the Cicero Stadium in Chicago, Illinois. Here are the matches announced already for this stellar event. Here we go. We have PCO against Rhino against Steve Macklin and Moose. It's a fatal four-way Monsters Ball match. By God. <laughs> Next, we have the Knockouts World Tag Team Tile Match with MK Ultra, the beautiful Killer Kelly, and Masha Slamovich taking out Deanna Parazzo and Tasha Steeles. That should be a good match. Next is a tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. It's the Rascals putting their titles on the line against Ace Austin and Chris Bay. They call themselves ABC. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't care about that name of <laughs> the tag team. We have the annual Call Your Shot Gauntlet. Here are the uh, confirmed participants in this match. We have Jake Something, Dirty uh, Dango, Champagne C, Eric Young, Jordan Grace, Brian Myers, Shira, Kylan King. Uh like to see... Kylan King, man, I, I think she's very underrated. I'm glad she's getting some uh, spotlight on Impact. Uh, Jody Threat, Bully Ray, Joe Henry. I believe in Joe Henry. 
I believe in Joe Henry. We have Frankie Gazarian, Kenny King, Giselle Shaw, and Eddie Edwards. Poor Eddie Edwards, man. You can't even get a singles match in a car. He's stuck on, <laughs> he's stuck on the damn uh, Call Your Shot Gauntlet match. That sucks. Um, for there, we have Trinity putting her knockouts world championship on the line against the GOAT, Mickey James. We have Chris Stateman putting his X Division championship on the line against Kenta. I'm looking forward to that match. That match is going to be sick. Also, Will Ospreay against Mike Bailey. Um, I'm not covering. I don't believe I'm covering Don for Glory this Saturday. We'll have to see. But uh, Will Ospreay against Mike Bailey, sign me up. I'm, I'm there for it. I am. Uh, and then the main event, it's Alex Shelley against uh, Josh Alexander for the Impact World Championship. That should be dope. That should be really, really cool. So, all in all, some good matches there for Impact. Bound for Glory coming up this Saturday. Don't forget, we have uh, Mike Tenay and the late, great Don West uh, being inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame. So, congratulations. Go out to both guys. Very, very well-deserved on both ends. Um, yeah, so... We got those out of the way. Now it's time for one final segment here for the Hoots Podcast this week. Let's take one more break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up this show this week with the Bankport's Q&A session right here on the Hoots Podcast. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Backboards Q&A session. If you have any questions, hit me up at Twitter at the Who's Podcast, as you guys see on the screen, or hit me up at the Who's Podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be a sponsor of the Who's Podcast, you can hit us up at Twitter at the uh, Who's Podcast at gmail.com. All right, we had a batch of questions this week from the good better Chris Aletta, who recently uh, celebrated a birthday. So happy belated birthday. I already gave a shout out to Chris's birthday the other day, but happy belated birthday. Good, sir. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, make sure to follow Chris at Twitter at xteamsalena24x on Twitter. Here's his questions this week. He says, what up, Oost? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. Is there any tag team particular you would like to see the grizzled young veterans face over the next few months? Uh, good question. I'd like to see – I would really like to see the grizzled young veterans in impact. Uh, so you got the Rascals. Um Depending on how things go with the main event, maybe the more city machine guns. Um, if they do stuff in AW, definitely like to see them against the Lucha Brothers. Um, maybe WNC Unbucks would be a decent match. I don't know. But the Rascals, obviously, I'd be remiss without mentioning them. I'm not as in tune with Impact and MLW since I stopped covering both the brands. So I'm out of the loop on who's hot and who's not as far as tag teams are concerned. I know that uh, Subculture, uh, Flash Morgan Webster, and Mark Andrews from XUK are now on Impact. So to see them reunite their rivalry with uh, GYV would be really cool. It's the 
grizzled young veterans. <laughs> um, so I, I think they would do a lot of good stuff on Impact. I really do. So I hope they uh, get a chance to showcase what they can do out there at Impact. If not, if they go to AW, it is what it is. Um, who would you like to see Sting face in his last match? Um, I'll, I'll go with a simple one. I want to see him against Darby. I think that's the right way to wrap up his career. Um, I have no interest in a Sting-Jericho one-on-one match, so nah. I, I don't care. So I would love to see Sting against Darby Allen. That would be my pick if I had my druthers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, is the trick Mellow game coming to an end? Did Mellow attack him? That's a good question, Chris. Your, your guess is good as mine. Believe it or not, I think he did. <laughs> I knew sooner or later before Carmelo Hayes would go up to the main roster that he would um, have a few with Trick Williams. That's just something that you don't leave on the table, especially if he's not going to be the champion of NXT. You need to get into that grudge feud with Trick. It's been brewing. It's going to happen sooner or later. So, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was him or Carmelo hired somebody to attack Trick Williams from behind. You know, Trick Williams blindsided Carmelo by inserting himself into the uh, triple threat match right on Tuesday. Who's to say that Carmelo blindsides Trick Williams and has somebody attack him before he was supposed to be in that main event? Excuse me. So, it's going to be a chess game, but yes, I do think the Trick Melo game is coming to an end. Uh, thoughts on Nick Aldis' debut? Will he be a general manager to remember? Yes and yes. Will Logan Paul be the next U.S. champion? I believe he will. I think it's the right choice. As I mentioned earlier, if you can do L.A. Knight and Logan Paul at WrestleMania for the United States Championship, that would be a big match and it would be a big moment for L.A. Knight. So, yes, I do believe that Logan Paul will become your next United States champion. Will you be watching Bound for Glory Saturday? Well, Currently, as I'm talking to you right now, these can change. As they always say in wrestling, the card is subject to change. I guess transcripts are subject to change as well. I haven't got any calls or anything from the guy that runs Wrestling Headlines, my buddy Calvin. Uh, I haven't heard from him. Uh, if it's something that he would want me to cover, I'd be open to it, but I'm not doing it for free. So unless I'm covering the show live, I'm not watching it live. But I will. Uh, I would like to find a way to maybe – Try to watch it maybe on Sunday night. I'm not really the biggest fan of Sunday night football, even though the Dolphins and Eagles should be a good game. I'm just not really a big fan of Sunday night football. Chris Collinsworth puts me to sleep. And, um, yeah, Sunday night football is not what it used to be. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I like to find a way to try to watch it before next week's episode for sure. Um the matches that I saw in the card are interesting. I'm definitely excited for Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey. And uh, I think Josh Alexander and Alex Shelley would be a tremendous match. All right. Uh, which one of these guys are more likely to be Gunther? Jay Gargano or Gable? Uh, I'm going to go with Gable. 
I'm going by Gable by default because I think Gargano's still doing his stuff with DIY. And Jay will be uh, distracted with the whole stuff with the bloodline and Jimmy. So I, I think our, uh, I think Gable's more likely to be Gunther out of the three that you mentioned. Um, had an interesting discussion with some of the boys over the last few days. More likely to be a WWE lifer, Sheamus or the New Day? Um, I'm going to go with the New Day, actually. This is the way Sheamus has been carrying himself in these interviews. I've been seeing him like whine to the dirt sheets and stuff about his booking and about how Roman Reigns is sabotaging the growth of other performers, which I think is bullshit. Um, <laughs> get up to his level, then we'll see if you're worthy of being in the position or not. Um, but I, I think it's more likely that Sheamus is going to be making his way towards AEW soon. So I'm going to say the new day. That would be my guess. Uh, with Sting's announcement last night, Ray recently speaking on his time frame out of retirement. Cena addressing his future over the last few months. Who will be the toughest to say goodbye to? Man, that's a good question. Obviously, I, I've always enjoyed Sting as a kid growing up. Obviously, Sting was my favorite performer from WCW. So to see him go is going to be uh, fortunate, but obviously it's been on the writing of the wall. Um... <sighs> Man, that's hard to say because there's a lot of great there's a lot of great options. There really is. But I think for me, and I think a lot of people would agree with me on this too. I think it would be John Cena would be the toughest one to say goodbye to. And you know, that's just an acknowledgement that I'm getting old. I'm getting really old now. <laughs> The Undertaker is gone. Triple H doesn't wrestle anymore. Austin and Rock are gone. JBL, etc., etc. John Cena, Batista, Randy Orton is probably down the road of retiring soon. Like <laughs> my entire childhood of wrestling, Edge is going to retire sooner or later once he's done playing around with the outlaw mud show wrestlers. Like you know, my childhood is going away with wrestling as the days and months go by, which is sad. But I definitely probably say John Cena would have to be the pick to see uh, as guys who would go away from wrestling. I it would have to be John Cena for sure. All right, let's see what else here we got. But thank you, Chris, for the questions this week. As always, buddy, I appreciate you. Our last set of questions this week come from the good brother Mike Rubio at Main Event Swerve. Shout out to Mike. He says, "What a boost." Well, I had to make sure to drop by for the back porch this week. I'm loving this road to 400. I hope the road continues after you make it to that milestone. I appreciate you, my brother. We will. Here are my questions. Other than Tony Khan being an all-time clown, what was the worst business move in AEW's history? Um, I got two. I got two off the head, uh, off the top of my head. One, uh, giving Chris Jericho backstage uh, political power and to Will Washington. There you go. Number two, speaking of con-related things, my friend told a story of he and some friends once peeing on the Jaguars logo in the middle of the field. My God. <laughs> What's the craziest prank-related thing you've ever been a part of? Oh, man. Man, I got to go back to the memory bank on this one. Holy shit. <laughs> um, man, I don't know if this is a prank or not, but 
um, we had this thing in elementary school where we would have Miss um, Olibuck was one of my teachers, great lady. Um, and we, when we had tests, like she would like during during the during the time we'd be having tests or whatever, she'd be passing out like like uh, Starbursts, for example, right? She would always have like Skittles or Starbursts, and she would just give us to us by the time we were done with um, our tests or we did good on our homework assignment. We would be treated with Starbursts, and that was a gift she would get to us, right? One day, I didn't take now, full disclosure, I am I have no filter, I'm loose with my tongue at times, but I'm not stupid enough to go out of my way and fully participate in pranks. But there was a prank at time that I saw I won't mention who it was, but there's a test going on and somebody stole the stash of Starburst and Skittles that Miss Albach was giving us. This had to be like, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade, I think. And, um, yeah, that did not go too well. So that's that's the only one I can recall right now. Uh, I want to say I was a goody-good two-boy, but, um, yeah, I, was, I had – one thing I've always had with me, for better or worse, I've always had self-awareness, that's for sure. Also, do you ever watch Practical Jokers with the guys talking to each other on earpiece? If so, what is the best thing that seems like one of those egged-on jokes? I never really watched Practical Jokers. Joker, it's not really my thing. I have watched Jackass <laughs> and Ridiculousness sometimes, but never really been a practical Joker's guy. Uh, what do you think of the NFC breakout tournament? Who's the likeliest to defeat Lola Vice seeming the favorite? Um, I think Kalani Jordan is probably the one that has the best odds of beating her if it's not going to be Lola Vice, but um, I don't think it'll be Carmen Patrovic. She's, she's still... It is inexperienced, but I thought she looked very impressive in her match with uh, Jada Parker the other night. And um, it looks like Lil Vice would probably win, but my best guess would be that um, Lil Vice would win that tournament for sure. Um, I saw on Insta that Kevin Patrick has been the lead commentator on Raw for a year now. How would you grade him? Um, Good question. I, man, that's a very good question, Mike. I I probably say a B minus. I think you know, obviously, doing commentary is not an easy position to just assume that anybody could do professional wrestling commentary in this landscape with this type of audience and st- and things that you have to plug and be attentive of and everything in between when it comes to doing commentary. I'm not saying it's not easy because it's not. Uh, it's something that I want to do. I like challenges. And I don't know about you guys. For those watching and listening, do you guys think that I would be a good play-by-play commentator on wrestling? I've had people say, hey, Josh, you should, like, record yourself calling matches. Is that something you like me to do? Because I always said I always wanted to do two things, either be a touring musician or be the next Jim Ross and call wrestling matches. So, if, if you guys think I could do it and give it a shot, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts. Um, but as far as Kevin would go, I'd give him a B-, minus. but there's definitely room to grow for sure. Uh, what is your favorite episode of The Office? Um, I don't have a particular episode, but 
Um, I really liked um, the moment when Jim and Pam uh, got together as a couple. That was my favorite part of the show. Uh, where do you see Lexus King debuting in NXT? I'm not sure. Well, he did mention that he'll be making his uh, debut on NXT next week. I don't know who he's fighting, but him on the show next week is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm curious to see how he's going to carry himself. All right. Who'll be the next big crossover from Raw or SmackDown to join the NXT roster? That's a good question. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe Cedric Alexander, possibly. I got to think about guys that are on the roster that are not getting as much TV time these days. I'm not really sure. I mean, Ricochet's already done some stuff on NXT over the past year or so. Um, let me let me stew over that in the next couple weeks and I see I can give a better answer than that, uh, Mike. Um what do you think of SNL making fun of Deion Sanders last week despite Colorado's above 500 play so far? Is it fair to criticize him or say he has fallen short already? Um, when you're a person like Dion that has that much inner self-confidence within you and how you carry yourself and uh, you know present yourself with that carefree, don't-give-a-fuck attitude, it's going to come with the territory. Dion is a Hall of Famer. Nobody can take away from his legacy as a football player. And the way he's carrying himself and the way he was successful in Jackson State, there's good. There's going to be doubt regardless of what your cachet is, regardless of what your resume is, regardless of who you are as a human being. There's always going to be people that have preconceived notions of you or try to put a, a ceiling above you. I'm not a college football fan, but – I do admire what Dion's trying to do with Colorado. So for me to see people like cheer and wish failure on the guy, I think it's unfortunate. But, you know, again, here's an alpha male like myself who really don't give a shit what uh, what people think about them and let our work speak for ourselves. This is going to come with the territory. So, um you know, he doesn't have to worry what, what people say about him. The fact that people are talking about him tells that proves that he's doing something right. And where Colorado was last season, what before he got hired, they were not a good football team. So I think he's already winning regardless of what the record's gonna be, because people are, are giving him and the, or and that university attention that they haven't had in a long time. So uh people could talk their talk, but <laughs> he's falling through with his actions. So have you seen any good movies on TV slash streaming services lately? Great question. I have. Uh two movies I like to sh- you guys to go check out is um the Choice. Make sure to type that out on Netflix, The Choice. Also check out um, The Breakup with Vincent, uh, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. Um, movie came out in 2005. was shot in Chicago. Always love seeing movies that are based in Chicago, but uh, that's a popular movie. I saw that on Amazon Prime the other day, so that was pretty cool. Obviously, if you guys have not watched How I Met Your Mother or New Girl, go check it out. 
And believe it or not, I can't believe I'm saying this on a wrestling podcast. <laughs> Watch Love Island. I want to thank Lauren for giving me this recommendation. She said I should go check out uh, Love Island Season 5. Opened my eyes a lot to what dating and stuff like it is in 2023. So uh, I want to give a shout out to Lauren for giving me the recommendation to Love Island. I, I, I like, I'm not really a fan of, like the bachelor and stuff like that, but as a kid who grew up watching like the real world and world rules challenges on MTV, I wanted to give this a shot and believe it or not, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. I, I thought it was very, very good. It was a fun show. Um, so go check out Love Island <laughs> if you're into that type of stuff. Uh, what do we get first? A new Speaker of the House in Congress or the actor's strike ending? Oh, God. <laughs> That's a good question, man. <laughs> I, I'm going to say the actor's strike. Because I don't know what the hell's going on in Washington. That's a that's another show for another time. Um, what NXT match are you looking forward to the most at Halloween Havoc? Um, for the matches I saw for night one, I'm definitely excited for uh, Becky and Lyra. But I also think Gigi uh, and Blair Davenport are going to have a really good match in that Lights House match. So um, those are the ones I'm looking forward to. And then obviously... Uh, Dragonoff and Carmel Hayes for night two. The following week should be pretty dope. Um, what will Survivor Series look like if there's a war games? Does WWE dare do uh, Judgment Day versus the Bloodline? If not, who might be in the match? Well, I don't think Roman Reigns is going to be in the war games match. I think Roman will fight AJ Styles um, at in Chicago. For the title, I think that would be the match. But for the for the War Games match, I have the Judgment Day and Jimmy and Solo against Cody, Kevin, Sammy, Jay, and LA Knight. Those will be my five against those five in the Judgment Day. So that's my War Games match. There you go. <laughs> As always, thank you for your honest and real answers. Take care until next week's Oos. Let's keep the world going. Love you, my man. Thank you, guys. That's going to put a ribbon on the bow for this week's edition of the Hoots Podcast. Thank you to Mike and Chris for the questions this week. Great questions, as always. If you have any questions for the Backboards Q&A session, all you have to do is hit me up at Twitter, at the Hoots Podcast, or the Hoots Podcast at at gmail.com. Don't forget to like this video and subscribe to our channel here on YouTube as we're on the road to 1,000 subscribers. Um, don't forget, this it's a pretty simple deal. Just hit that like button and press that bell notification so you get notified when new episodes or interviews are dropped here on the Who's Podcast. And like I said earlier in the beginning of the show, let's bring CM Punk to the Who's Podcast, a platform for him to speak for himself without any agendas or anything behind it. This him, a full platform for him to speak off the cuff and for him to debunk some of the common narratives that are out there about about him. I, I I think that I could do a good job having an interview with him on this platform and let's make it happen. Let's have CM Punk on the Hoots podcast. Let's manifest it. Let people know on social media that you would like to see CM Punk have his first wrestling interview post-AW here on the Hoots podcast. Um, 
Besides that, man, make sure to check out the show on all our audio platforms as well. Spotify, what? Stitcher, what? Google Play, what? Anywhere, what? <laughs> and don't forget to check out my transcripts at uh, WrestlingHeadlines.com and also I reshare my transcripts at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. Remember, nobody dictates and pays your life but yourself and the man upstairs. And also pay back to the question that was asked earlier. Also, go check out the After Movies uh, series. I really like those. Josephine Linkford, very, very hot. <laughs> uh, with that being said, this has been episode 383 of the Hoots Podcast. As the road to episode 400 continues, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Go Bears! Bye-bye, bitch. <laughs>